You're listening to the Business with Purpose podcast with your host, Molly Stillman of stillbeingmolly.com. This podcast takes you behind the scenes with some of the world's most generous entrepreneurs, from the CEOs of mission-driven brands to directors of small community nonprofits and everything in between. Molly is sitting down with men and women who believe in changing the world not only through their personal lives, but also their professional careers. And now, here's Molly. Hey guys, welcome back for part two of my conversation with Kristen Welch and Maureen Kaderi of Mercy House. Today, we are really going to dive deep into the heart of Mercy House and the impact that they are having on these women that are coming out of the slums of Kenya. We're also going to hear Lillian's story, which is a, just an unbelievably powerful testimony of a woman's life who has been completely transformed by being involved with Mercy House. I am honored to be able to share this with you guys, and I know that it is going to impact you just like it's impacted me. Thanks for listening. So I want you guys to kind of share what, um, and then we'll, we'll kind of also talk about sort of how that's grown and some of the other things like Mercy House Global and Fair Trade Friday, which is something I just, I love. But I want to kind of talk about the birth of it and ultimately, and share the story of Lillian, one of the girls that you guys were able to rescue. So um, I don't know if Maureen or Kristen, if you want to share... Maybe I can just share what we do at the yeah. center. Um, yeah. uh, this is a rescue center that rescues young, poor, pregnant girls from the streets and slums of Kenya, yeah. girls age 15 and below, who are pregnant either due to rape, incest, or survival prostitution, and the only option they have is either to procure an abortion or commit suicide because, uh, you know, they are from the slums and being pregnant is an extra amount of faith, you know. And so uh, they are you know, abandoned by their own families and even sometimes by the community, they're shunned. And, uh, you know, they became, like, people see them as a shame and they're like outcasts of the community. And so us, what we do at our Rima house, we always say is we just rescue them, take them in, love them and tell them they're beautiful and just uh, the only option we have is Jesus Christ. Because we say that uh, is our only hope, and we try to make our program holistic. We have counseling because these are traumatized girls, and uh, we have life skills because we want to boost their self-esteem and self-worth. We have livelihood skills where we teach them to make things with their own hands, like jewelry, uh, sewing. We have salon. We have music class uh, because we just want them, you know, to be able to give back in the church also and just to be able to connect to God through worship. Yeah. And then uh, we have parenting classes. These are young mothers. We, we say they are children yeah. who have children. And so uh, we just have um, staff who help them being able to take care of their baby and being responsible and loving mothers because for them maybe they never experienced any love. And then um, we stay with them for this period. We also have discipleship where we use Discovery Bible Study yeah. uh, to be able to ensure and, uh, that they have a relationship with Christ at the end, but we don't force them. Yeah. It is a personal decision. And then uh, we stay with them for two years to ensure they give birth safely in a good hospital. And uh, you know we take care of them and their babies for two years, and then we start transitioning them back. But even before we transition them back, we work with their parents or caregivers by and train them and also counsel their parents. So there are those at the end of two years that their parents or caregivers will accept them so we take them back home as we pay for their school fees whether they're those who go back to school and they're those who do choose to do vocational training so we we, we take care of that and even their children education 
but we have those who cannot go home after two years either because they've not healed because you know healing is a gradual process so they heal gradually that those who will take even 10 years it took 18 years for compassion to transform me wow. so uh, we have those that we keep either because they've not healed or uh, they've not been accepted back home or it is just dangerous to go back home or even their families are not stable. So we keep them a little bit longer, like uh, you talked about Lillian. So we keep them and they go to school while they are with us. And then once they finish, you know, we just want to make sure that they can go home when everything is okay or they, until they are able to stand uh, on their own. So they, we have all these different programs and uh, we take girls, you know, from different backgrounds, and as long as they fit our sel selection criteria, and also we don't just take Christians. We take yeah. non-Christians, we yeah. take Muslims. We've taken two Muslims yeah. uh, who amazingly accepted Christ a few months after they came, and also their parents, their moms accepted Christ. So we take care of them and their babies. I mean, we're pro-life. Wow. Yes. Wow, that's amazing. And the... You know, I think that that's so important um, to just emphasize that it's it's about not just making sure that they are taken care of health-wise, because yeah, like you said, just mentally, the yes. the mental, physical, spiritual, emotional trauma yes. that they've gone through is just it's unimaginable. Yeah. It's unimaginable, and so making sure you know over time that you're not yeah you don't want to just kind of like throw them back into yes. i mean because it can be it's cyclical so you yeah. want to yeah the work that you guys do with the counselors and i love also that you guys everybody that works there is kenyan oh yes that's and that's something that is really important to you guys yeah, yeah. Yeah, we really um, embrace the model of indigenous empowerment there are so many talented, gifted, educated people in third world countries, but they just need opportunity. Yeah. And so while Maureen's in Kenya working with her team, we're in America raising funds and opportunities to support them um, through a lot of different avenues. Um, and a few years ago when uh, Maureen and I were bringing it every year, we bring in eight new, eight, six to eight new pregnant girls. And she reached out to me through email and said, don't be mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> That's always um, a good way to yeah. start a conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, but she wanted to tell me about the newest girl she had rescued. And uh, her name was Lillian. And at the time, she was 12 years old. And it was very overwhelming to uh, bring in a girl that young, um, just a child. And But it was really Lillian's story that I think scared me the most when Maureen started just detailing why she rescued her, and she said, I couldn't leave her another day in the condition I found her. And Lillian had just um, really been passed around in the community and didn't have parents who advocated for her and uh, was really abused and traumatized from a very young age up until she ended up being pregnant at 12. And when we got her, she, uh, Maureen said, I'm really concerned that there's something wrong with Lily and she's um, has a very childlike mind and she I think she might be mentally handicapped and I remember being in America thinking oh my goodness <laughs> we, we were already in over our heads and how are we going to help this young mom and um, it's been really miraculous that up until this point 32 mothers have 
kept their babies against all odds and have become beautiful parents. And so I didn't know if Lillian would have that same story. And so we just made it a matter of really just praying that God would do a a miracle. And that's what he did. Uh, Maureen Maureen just loved Lillian and her staff began to pour into this child who had been abandoned by the world. And slowly uh, Lillian began to talk again. And um, she, we discovered that she was really trying to protect herself and just in her mind she had escaped to a safe place and so what we saw and what we thought was really maybe an abnormality was really just survival she was trying to survive her conditions and the her surroundings and she's now been in the home three years and she is a very transformed young girl and not only can she read and write and and participate in all of the educational aspects. Um, she gave my youngest daughter a pedicure the last time we were in Kenya. Oh my goodness. And it was it was amazing just seeing how far she'd come, but she's actually the house leader now. So she leads the other girls wow. um, and challenges them and uh, makes sure they're staying on task and doing what they need to do. And it's been remarkable seeing what God has done in her young life. Wow. You actually have a video of Lillian's story that I will um, be sure to link in the show notes. So as you're listening to this, you can go and visit the show notes and I will be sure to link that video because it's um, I got to see it for the first time last night. And it's um, have a box of tissues ready because you can't watch it without um, without crying. Um, But it's powerful. And it's the raw footage of Maureen and the team actually going in and rescuing her yes. and then the girls at Rahema House welcoming her. And so, how many girls do you have in the house now? And um, I want you to also talk about just the family that they have become. So far, we've rescued 32 girls, but at the home right now, the residents are 20, and uh, we have 18 babies. Unfortunately, we lost two babies, mm. and uh, the others are at home with their babies. But when they close call, they come. Uh, Rahema house for two weeks, so it means we have a full house. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and um, it is uh, like what we do is uh, Rahema house is not just an organization. We say it's like a family. Yeah. You know, they come there and they are like sisters. They are like siblings, and they love each other as siblings, and they love and take care of each other's baby. And um, what we do is, you know, we teach them how to be part of a family. We have a house mom who stays with them. We have in each home we have two house moms who stay with them and uh, they take part in teaching them because we bring the girls to transform and empower them. So the house mother try to empower them to be women uh, for the future and also how you know how to clean the house. That they want to clean the house. That they want to cook and wash their clothes and just make sure the house and the entire compound is clean before they go uh, to class. And then after class. They come back home. You know, we have one. We have two homes. So one home has a home and a class, and uh, they have classes during the day. Every day they have different classes because of the different classes that we have, like a salon. We have making the jewelry and yeah. other crafts and the music. And then at three, they go back home. Like normal kids will go back home and you know continue with their chores and even spend time uh, 
with their babies. So we try to how to make it more of a family in Rahima House because back home they lack families. Most yeah. of the girls in Rahima House are orphans, yeah. and some of them are from children's home and or others just from the streets, or others you know from families that never took them in as families. So they've not experienced that you know, parental love or being in a family yeah. unit. So that is why we try to do in Rahima House before we take them back home. Wow. That's just, that's so powerful. So I want to share, Lillian has shared her testimony. And so you had mentioned, or I guess in previous conversation, not while we were recording, because people were like, you didn't say that. Um, <laughs> you kind of go back and ask the girls when they're ready, when they're ready to share their testimony. And Lillian has shared her testimony. And I actually want to play that. Right. So you want, do you want to give a little bit of background on that? Yeah, so um, every year we just see if any of the girls are willing to write down their testimony and yeah. share it. And and Maureen said, yes, there are several. And so um, I'm the storyteller at home and trying to constantly tell these powerful stories of what God's doing. And I received that email from her, and and I remember curling up in my bed and just starting to read. And like two hours later, I was just like a sobbing mess <laughs> um, because I I've – cupped Lillian's face and seen into her eyes and seen um, God slowly and miraculously work just powerful transformation and to be able to read her words and hear her words um, it's it's powerful that she started out as this really sad abused child and now she's a leader and she's a good mother who takes care of her child and who knows who she'll be one day she's truly the the face of what we're doing in Kenya and she represents countless girls who need an opportunity and and who just need hope to hold on to yeah so uh we're gonna play that testimony and um just kind of hear that and be able to hear from her words what that is like I am Lillian and I'm 15 years old a recount of my past life is a bitter experience, but I thank God for his redemption and for giving me a new life. Today, I share my story as a testimony of what God can do to change one's ashes to beauty. My mother died while giving birth to me. I was an only child. I have never had a chance to meet my father. I was raised by a distant grandmother. Though she did not have much, she tried as much as she could to ensure that we had something to eat. I recall that she used to have one cow which she milked. She would wake up very early in the morning and walk miles to sell the milk and I would be left alone at home. I was around three years old. Being alone at home was dangerous. I remember a neighbor sneaking into our house every day to molest and defile me. It was so painful and traumatizing. My grandmother did not attempt to make matters any better, even after telling these instances to her. I missed my mother and father's protection. My misery did not end there. Another neighbor used to call me to her house and she would ask me to perform oral sex. I couldn't take this anymore. So for most of the days my grandmother wasn't home, I would hide in the forest. An aunt allowed me to move in with her in her home in Kibera slum. I thought that my life would be better. She enrolled me in school, but she was never able to pay my school fees. And when I was able to attend, I would often have to miss to help her sell vegetables. I remember being home alone one day, and a neighbor noticed. He took advantage and raped me. 
When my aunt got wind of what had happened, the man ran off. I grew up a bitter child. I had no one to talk to, and I hated my life. The environment I lived in was, in, was not any better, and I had to conform to the pattern to survive. To me, being defiled was normal and was not a big deal. I got pregnant at 12 years old. I became confused and depressed. But light comes in the morning. A neighbor introduced us to Mercy House. It has been heaven on earth for me. I was warmly welcomed and embraced. I had good food to eat, a place to sleep, and clean clothes to wear. I got a counselor who walked with me and was always ready to listen. I slowly started to heal and I was happy. I was introduced to Jesus and I have accepted him to be my Lord and Savior. I feel Jesus loves me very much and my trust in him has grown. I can now pray with faith and wait for my answers. My social skills and self-esteem have been boosted. I gave birth safely to my son. Emmanuel and both of us are taken care of. I love my baby very much. I want to thank Mercy House for helping me and my son. I'm assured of a bright future. I am who I am because they believed in me and took me in for transformation. And indeed, I am a totally different person. May God bless Mercy House. So when I heard that for the first time, I didn't have words like I don't really have right now because actually, I, I, mean, I heard it for the first time last night. Um, and. I'm up a lot throughout the night anyway because my son doesn't sleep. <laughs> but every time I woke up last night, I literally was replaying it over in my head. Like I couldn't get it out of my head. And then I was telling my husband about it and I was, you know, telling him, talking to him about it more at breakfast. And I was just like, this is, this is something that is so much bigger <laughs> than anything we can even wrap, our, I think, our minds around in this world, mm -hmm. um, but I think such a testimony to what God can do mm -hmm. yeah. and how he can transform even, I, I mean, he can transform anything. Yeah, he can redeem anything. He can redeem anything. Um, he can truly just bring things out of the ashes, and it's just, it's, it's amazing to me. Um, so I want to kind of shift focus a little bit and talk about um, kind of what you guys have done with Mercy House Global and mm -hmm. the Fair Trade Friday. Um, so, you know, f for those of you who are not strangers to this podcast, you guys know how passionate I am about fair trade purchasing and, um, you know, kind of what I always say is purchasing with purpose and just really knowing who made your stuff um, and how powerful that is. And this is also something we emphasize all the time is just you know, people, I think we get into this mindset of like people in, you know, generally in American culture, we think like, oh, people in third world countries, they need our charity. No, they don't. They don't need your charity at all. They don't want your money. They want you to buy their stuff. They right. want to get a job. They mm -hmm. want to, they don't want you to provide for their families. They want to provide for their own families. Cool. Their desire is no different than ours. Like my desire as a, a wife and a mom is I want to be able to contribute to my family. I want to be able to take care of my kids. Um, I want to be able to spend time with my family. And that's no different no matter what culture we're in. Um, and so I think that that's something that is so awesome about what you guys are doing because that's you guys have also seen that need of that like we, they don't want, they don't want a charity they want a job they want to be able to provide and make a living so talk um, some about that yeah I think that when we're able to 
instead of give a handout, but a hand up, we are restoring dignity. Yes. And dignity is a priceless commodity. It's something that can't be bought or sold. And it's only given when we value other people as much as we value ourselves. Yes. And so um, just to bring it, you know, down to a very personal level, um, when I was in Kenya with Maureen, um, a few months ago, we visited Lillian's home and we took Lillian with us so that she could visit her aunt and she brought her two-year-old son Emmanuel with us and we walked the very broken, hard path to her home. Um, some of the worst poverty I've ever seen in my life. Um, just a treacherous, literally a treacherous walk into the heart of this slum that was dangerous and there were actually men calling out Lillian's name as we walked this path. And that's one of the main reasons she hasn't returned home. Even though she has graduated from our two-year program, We, she's one of those special cases where it's not safe for her to return home yet. Um, as we sat in her home and talked to her aunt, I, w- I was overwhelmed with the love I saw between Lillian and, and her aunt. And I remember leaning over to Maureen and saying, Lillian has something that girls around the world don't have, and that's someone who loves her. How can we make it possible for Lillian to be reunited with her family at some point. And that's through a job. Um, We decided right then and there that um, we were gonna help provide work for Lillian's aunt. And um, we're doing that now and she's making a very fair wage and we're hopeful that Lillian can come home soon. And we do that through our program called Fair Trade Friday, which is a monthly subscription club that we started as a ministry of Mercy House Global, um, we work with small groups of women. Our ma- girls in the maternity home are one of those groups, and we have multiple groups in Kenya um, that our graduates have been a part of. And we work with them to provide work, to provide jobs in Jesus' name. And uh, we now work in 25 countries with 45 small groups of women. And um, it's really the most fulfilling thing I've ever done in my life because we're seeing our girls leave the home in Kenya and we're, we have a place um, for them to go into to provide work and to sustain their life. And, and it's basically like this beautiful circle of um, we're teaching them a skill and they're using that skill to provide for their families and uh, really to make their dreams come true. Not every woman who makes fair trade jewelry, that's her dream or passion, but we come alongside them and teach them business training so that that is seed money to help them start their business. And we've seen that all over Kenya and, and we're hoping to multiply that in different countries. But the subscription club, every box provides jobs for women and we try really hard to create trendy product that um, is going to appease the appetite of American shoppers Um, but really it's not about us and that's one of the things I constantly am um, I feel like a big part of my job besides uh, the many hats I wear is to educate people that this is not about you and I think we live in a culture where everything is about us and it's really hard to make that shift and remind people that this purchase is not about you. Yeah, it's easier really just to give money to someone, but when we can provide work for them, um, we're doing much more than 
than feeding them for a day. We're empowering them to feed their families for a lifetime. And all roads uh, lead to the gospel for us. We work with faith-based groups because really when you peel back the layers, these women need more than food for the day and a job for a month. They need ultimate freedom that can only be found through Christ. And so um, we're very passionate about fair trade product, and we work in a lot of different ways to get as much fair trade product out of our, we have a warehouse in Texas that we um, ship all around the world to and have a lot of different ways like the subscription club to do that. And we're just trying to teach people to buy right and really to redeem consumerism. Yes. We are a consuming country and um, we're going to spend money at Christmas and on gifts and and so, like you said, knowing who made your item is powerful, not only for the person you're helping, but for yourself and for your children to, yeah. to know that I made a difference with my purchase today. I love that. Yeah, I you wrote a blog post after uh, Hurricane Matthew that I just, I was like, preach, let me share this everywhere. It was just about, you know, how... You know, you're like, in Haiti doesn't want our money. They want us to buy from them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so here's a list of, um, you know, Haiti, b- businesses that are in Haiti that you can support and shop from. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's, I think it's such a, in, in this culture we are, we're such a, the American culture is so me, 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 and how, you know, just disposable things. And we forget that there is a real person with a real name and a real story behind every single thing we buy. Right. And unfortunately, we are filling our lives with things that are contributing to the modern day slavery issue. And we don't like to talk about that. You know, our culture doesn't like to think about the farmer who has chains around their legs who are harvesting our coffee or the woman in Bangladesh who's chained literally to a sewing machine so that she can sew our clothes that we buy at the Gap. We don't like to talk about that. Yeah. But... I think it's um, we'll, we'll be held accountable uh, at some point because we are contributing to that issue. And so it's not a, a shame trip or a guilt trip, but it's a we have to be responsible consumers. And yeah. we are providing a, an easy way because we know who made the things at Fair Trade Friday. I've been in their homes and yeah. held their hand as they work or as they were laboring and about to have a baby and Maureen has been a part of every one of those stories. And so um, we're doing some of that hard work for you. And and it's, a, it's just a beautiful way to change the world. That's amazing. So, uh, you know, just as we kind of wrap up here, um, for those that want to find out more about Mercy House, um, because this is, you've said this before, like after you hear this, like you can't, you're, you have to respond in some way like mm-hmm. you can't not hear a story like this and you can't not hear a story like Lillian's and you can't not know about what's going on and not in some way do something mm-hmm. so what are the ways that people can find out more about Mercy House and how you can support Mercy House or Fair Trade Friday and things like that so you can go to mercyhouseglobal.org and that site kind of leads to everything that we're doing you can read specifically about Rahima House where you can give towards helping us bring in um, six to eight new pregnant girls starting in 2017. Um, We also have sponsorship of the girls who are graduating. We'll have a few of those sponsorships available early next year. Um, You can uh, shop. Uh, We have a very active online store. We have our monthly subscription club at fairtradefriday.club. We have three club options. 
for every shopper. So it starts out eleven ninety nine a month and goes up to thirty one ninety nine a month. Um, you can give the gift of fair trade, and that's the gift that gives twice. You're giving a job to someone in poverty, and you're also giving a great gift to someone. And so we really love um, when people join our clubs. And uh, we also are opening a retail store if you're in Texas or you want to come to the other Magnolia market. Um, our new retail store is in a barn in Magnolia, Texas, and we open next Saturday and we'll be open five days a week. We also have a, um, a barn where we have people volunteer, about 100 volunteers come a month and help us pack our Fair Trade Friday boxes. So there's lots of ways to get involved and we hope you will. That's amazing. Well, uh, by the time this airs, you guys will be open and thriving. And I know that everybody will be. So now it's yet another excuse for me to come back and visit Texas (laughs) because I want to come see it. Um, And I will also for um, link. I have blogged about Mercy House and Fair at the Fair Trade Friday box. Um, So I will include a link to my blog post and you can there's links and all that pictures and that kind of stuff in there. So I'll also link that in the show notes below. Um, Maureen, you're here in the United States for a couple more weeks, and then you go back and um, just continue to do the amazing work that you're doing there. And just it's I know it's not easy. And you know, and Kristen say, you know, you, yeah. you, they're they're looking at each other like, yes, uh, if we had known what we we were getting into, it's an honor to to sit here and um, just to be with you guys and to hear what you guys are doing. And I think it's even more amazing to just see that you answered the call because I think so often people say like, man, that's really a terrible mm. situation. Somebody should really do something about right. that. And instead of just you know, kind of, you know, wiping your hands of it, so to speak, you you answered the call and you're like, well, we're going to fill in and we're going to step in and we're going to do this. Yeah. And I mean, Maureen and I, it's, I think it's easy to put people on a pedestal and say, well, I could never do that or I'm not, you know, and I think part of my job is to be real and authentic and let people know that we can't do it either. Yeah. Um, we aren't, you know, we don't have a background in this or in anything we do. It's just been God has qualified us because we said yes. And so I just want to encourage everyone who's listening to answer the call at whatever God is putting on your heart because he's made perfect in our inadequacy and our weakness. And he's glorified because only he can create something from nothing. And um, we deflect that, his glory, so that um, others can find and know him. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much. Maureen, do you have a way that people can connect with you online? If What's the best way if somebody wants to get in touch with you? You go to Mercy House Global. Mercy yes. House. Everything will reach us. And yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. And um, people can follow your blog at wearethatfamily.com. Yes. Um, you're also on Facebook and Instagram and all the tweets, the Twitters, yeah. even though and Vine just died. So I don't know if Twitter's going away soon or not. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Twitter's not going to go anywhere. But thank you. I can't thank you guys thank enough you. for taking time to sit with me and share your stories. And so I know awesome. it has impacted me greatly. Um, I know it will impact many others and everybody who is, you know, hears this. And um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, and be sure to subscribe. If you like the show, please uh, leave a review on iTunes, share with your friends, because that's how we're able to get this out there. And, uh, you know, as always, uh, I just thank you so much for listening and 
and for supporting this podcast and supporting the amazing businesses like Mercy House. And I just, again, thank you guys so much for joining me. Thank you. All right. We'll see you guys next week on the Business with Purpose podcast. Bye.